It is beginning to look a lot like Christmas. How many of you have already got your house all Christmased up? Anybody already there? You people make me sick. How many of you, how many of you, you've got like a date, like you don't break the date, maybe December 1 or something, you say, no Christmas decorations until this date. How many of you have a whole, a whole okay, very good, very good. Okay, some anal people in the church, very good. And, uh, and how many of you have still got yours up from last year? I mean, yeah, see that, that to me, that to me is the ultimate in economising. Just look, save the trouble. Just leave, just push it, maybe push it aside a little. Just saying. But this whole thing of decorating and it's become a big deal. And Christmas lights, I mean, come on. In the last, I don't know, five to 10 years, Christmas lights has become a big deal. There's now uh, competitions that carry prize purses that you can win in your neighbourhood, in your city. In fact, I believe they're even national. Now, last year, let me give you one from Brisbane, good old Bris Vegas. Uh, let me show you someone that entered the uh, national competition. Uh, media team operator sleep at the wheel. Um, technical issue, uh, having coffee. All of the above. So this was a house, yeah, I know. And, and as Brisbane people would have said, this looks pretty cool. And uh, it's a Brisbane joke, don't worry about it. So this is the thing. Now, Louie and I, we moved into our new old house, our current house uh, in uh, end of January. So we actually haven't done a Christmas cycle in our neighbourhood. We have no idea who uh, is gonna go uh, large with the Christmas lights in, in our street. Uh, or if anyone, we don't know. We do know that our neighbour on one side, they rolled pretty deep for Halloween, uh, rigging their house up, or Halloween, or as I like to call it, International Type 2 Diabetes Day. And, uh, but they went, they rolled deep with their deckies in Halloween. So I'm like, I got this thing of like, any day now, I'm gonna like come out after sundown and it's gonna look brighter than the sun in our neighbour's front yard. And I don't think I can compete with something like that. So I've come up with a plan, a contingency plan, just in case one of our neighbours goes large and this is what our, uh, our plan will be. Uh, <laughs> but chances are some of you are actually pretty fired up about Christmas. Maybe you've already got your list made. Maybe you've already started uh, buying the presents. You've already been stockpiling Christmas wrapping. Ooh, that looks nice. I'm gonna, and just, uh, you know, maybe you're, already, you're going all in and you're going all in to ensure that for you and friends and family that Christmas, this Christmas is gonna be merry and bright. And for you, well done. I am aware, however, that chances are for some of you that the idea of Christmas this year is actually filling you with a sense of dread. And, and not because you're bar humbug, but just because maybe some of you are already on the red line. Maybe some of you, you, you are, you're already experiencing so much uh, calendar pressure uh, and or emotional pressure and or financial pressure that the thought of Christmas is just terrifying for you. And you're, and you're actually not counting down the days till December 25, you're counting down the days till December 26, where you just hope to God that you make it that far. And I understand that Christmas for you, at least to how it's looking at this point, doesn't look merry and bright. And what I wanna do this morning is I wanna airdrop us into something quite remarkable that happened 700 years 
before Jesus actually entered the world and entered our story. Now, if you've got our Elevate app, you can tap on the Bible tile, bottom left on the landing screen. Tap on the Bible tile. And it's gonna take you to uh, a book in the older part of the Bible that's, uh, the, the, the name of that book is Isaiah. Now, Isaiah was a prophet. A prophet is someone that speaks on God's behalf, someone that God kind of gives them, gives them some words, some instruction, and they speak it to people on His behalf, like a, like a, a mouthpiece for God. That's what a prophet is. It, it's not all weird. It's like, that's the gift. God speaks to them and says, go and tell what I've just told you to that person or those people. So that was Isaiah's gig. And uh, like me, Isaiah also has a book named after him in the Bible. Uh, He was a pretty big deal. He had a book named after him in the Bible, this collection of stuff about his life and stuff that God spoke through him, the book of Isaiah. Uh, in fact, so much so, he's such a big deal. He's actually even quoted 50 times in the new part of the Bible. That In the new part of the Bible, people say, back like what Isaiah said, back like what God spoke about through Isaiah. Big deal, big deal. And uh, 700 years before Jesus was born, before Jesus entered the story and entered our story, this is what God spoke through Isaiah. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. For those who lived in a land of deep shadows, light, sunbursts of light. Now, spoiler alert, the light that God was talking about, that Isaiah was speaking on God's behalf, was actually referencing Jesus. It was actually foretelling 700 years before Jesus was born, was actually referencing Him. By the way, God doesn't get surprised. Wow, never saw that coming. No, He did. He saw this coming. He prophesied it. He predicted it. But we can read that. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. For those who live in a land of deep shadows, light, sunbursts of light, and just say, so what? Like, okay, great. 700 years later, boom, Jesus appeared. But so what? Well, the so what, I buried the lead. The so what is the bit at the front of this declaration. The people who walked in darkness. God was actually promising to solve a problem. God was actually saying that I understand that humanity, that you individually, you walk in darkness. Maybe not all the time, but sometimes. That darkness is gonna be part of your story. And here's what, I love you so much that I'm actually gonna send a solution. And the solution to darkness is guess what? Light. There's a big brain uh, Bible guy, church leader named Tim Keller. He talks about this word darkness as referring to two different things. And actually, I think they're both things that we'll readily understand. The first one, and it's maybe the most obvious one, is this word darkness can refer to evil. And you just have to turn on the news, which I don't recommend bothering with. The mainstream media will force feed you stuff that is of no relevance to your life and will just give you a jaded and cynical version of the world that doesn't look anything like the one that God's trying to create. But okay, if you can waste half an hour of your life, go for it. But you'll see stories about darkness as it refers to evil. Any of these sound familiar in the world we live in today? And remember, this was 700 years before Jesus came and therefore now 2,700 years before today. 
Darkness as it comes out in the form of evil is still very real today. Suffering, violence, injustice, abuse of power, homelessness, refugees fleeing oppression, families ripped apart, bottomless grief. Those are all things that smack of darkness. And they look like this thing called evil. That's probably the most obvious one. But Tim Keller talks about another representation of this word darkness as being ignorance. That we experience darkness in our own life and it's not just the darkness that brings us down, but it's also the frustration that we don't always know how to get out of that situation. We don't always know how to break free from that darkness. And that just adds another level of hopelessness to the situation. I mean, the situation is bad. The situation is dark, but then not being able to find your way out makes it even worse. But guess what? That shouldn't come as a surprise. How do you find your way out of something that's dark? Guess what? Introduce light. And so God sent the light into our darkness. And I said this last week, sometimes I am Captain Obvious. They pay me the big bucks to tell you stuff that when I say it, you go, uh, duh. Well, here's the duh moment. When you are in darkness and someone offers you light, move to the light. <laughs> Position yourself in the light. If you're in darkness, don't run from the light. Don't avoid the light. Don't ignore the light. Run, forest, to the light because it's in the light that your problem of darkness is not only gonna be illuminated, which by the way, just illuminating it isn't the solution because you're already vividly aware of it. But having the opportunity of God illuminating it to say, yeah, and I've actually got a way out for you. Position yourselves in the light. And, and, and here's what that could look like. Here's some real basic pro tips from me to you about how to position ourselves in the light. The first one is read your Bible. I know, the big bucks. Read your Bible. Now, there's a couple of ways to come at this. I could stand up here and I could say, you people, I know some of you don't read your Bible. You spend more time on Facebook and scrolling through Instagram and you should be ashamed of yourselves. You know, and that's not gonna work. You're just gonna think I'm a douche and it's not gonna change your behaviour at all. So let me try a different angle, uh, hopefully a better angle. One of the most important things that I learned at Bible college, one of the moments I was actually paying attention at Bible college, I learned this. One of the most important things in my journey following Jesus, I learned, and I'm gonna share it with you now. So listen, real carefully, because this could be a game changer for you. One of the most important things I learned and, 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 and continue to try and apply in my life is this. Have you ever asked yourself, God, I wonder what God's will is for my life? I wonder what God's purpose is for my life. I wonder what God wants me to do with my life. It's a great question. I think more people should ask that more often rather than just kind of copy, paste, copy, paste, copy, paste, do what everyone else is doing. Yeah, what's God's will for my life? Why was I created? Why was I put on this earth? Why was I put on this earth now? Why was I put in this city? Why was I put in this job, in this family, in this church? God, what's, what's your will for my life? Here's the thing, let me break it down for you, real simple. 
God's will has two big ideas. One is called his general will. The other is called his specific will, okay? It's real simple to remember. General will, specific will. Now, God's general rule is the stuff for everybody. It's the stuff that all followers of Jesus are meant to get busy in. God's specific will is the stuff that He's got specifically for you to do. Your unique calling, your unique destiny, your unique role description, your unique, the vision He's given you. God's general will for everybody, God's specific will for you. And this is the stuff we want God to answer. When we say, God, what's your will for my life? We're, we're really talking about this one. What's your will for my life? And here's how it works. God's general will is like a four lane freeway that everyone's meant to be traveling on. Everyone. Not just the chosen few, not just a few elite, that, that God's general will is everyone, if you're a follower of Jesus, get on that freeway and go in that direction. And we're all going in that direction. That's God's general will. God's specific will is now that you're on the freeway, now that you're traveling in that general direction, along with everyone else, you're so unique, just like everyone else. I know, there was a bit of elite humour. Two people got that. Very good. <laughs> Welcome to my brain. Now that you're on the freeway and only because you're on the freeway, only because you positioned yourself on the freeway, now I'm gonna get a little bit more clarity with you about which lane to be in about which speed to travel at, because that has to adjust. Sometimes you change lanes, but here's the thing. And, and it's in that lane, traveling at that speed, that starts to look more like God's specific will for you. But we only get to find out God's specific will by first positioning ourselves in His general will. Four lanes and your lane. But your lane is one of the four lanes. So you're not gonna find your lane if you don't start in one of the four lanes. Got that? I learned that at Bible college. And now you get it for free. <laughs> and here's the good news. God's general will is hidden in plain sight. He wrote a book and he mapped it out and he called it the Bible. And he said, read it, because in it, it tells you where the freeway is and which direction to point the car and, 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 and how to put your foot on the accelerator and how to keep that thing fueled up and, and keep on the freeway and, and, and not crash, or at least not fatally crash. And, 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 and then... As you uncover that, because why wouldn't you? Because it's hidden, but it's hidden in plain sight. And by the way, Bibles are free these days. It's called an app. It's called the Bible app. It's free. It's in like a gazillion languages. 
It's hidden in plain sight. And within the context of four lanes, we get to find your lane. Okay, so do that. That's where the light is. Position yourself in the light. Here's another one, music. Do you know that music influences atmosphere? That's why coffee shops play music. That's why we play music as you're rolling in. That's why shopping centers play Christmas music around, I don't know, October through to December something while they're selling hot cross buns. Um, Look, I'm trying to pick a fight here this morning, but we all know it's true. But you know that music influences atmosphere? Let me show you a cartoon. This is Charlie Brown. I know some of you don't know who he is, but some of you do, so just stick with me. This is kind of the Wayback Machine. This is my depressed stance. When you're depressed, it makes a lot of difference how you stand. The worst thing you can do is straighten up and hold your head high because then you start to feel better. And if you're gonna get any joy out of being depressed, you've gotta stand like this. Now, I'm not throwing shade on people who suffer from depression. I grew up in a family where my father was hospitalized on uh, several occasions for next level depression. I get that. I'm not, but just let's translate this. Let's go back to the next slide. But let's translate this. Just say, like something, you're having a bad day. You're not depressed, but you're having a bad day. Or something happens and it just kind of knocks you off your axis. You lost your job, got some bad news, or something breaks and you, you didn't have the money to repair. Just like, it's a bad day. Or just maybe just woke up and just feeling like, like a bad day. The temptation is to open your Spotify and search for some Garth Brooks, if you're old school. Search for some Keith Urban or even search for some Taylor Swift before she sold out and went mainstream. Uh, But the temptation is when you're having these kind of blue days to look for some country music. That's the temptation. I get it. I've been there. Look for some country music because it's in that country music song that you're gonna hear about someone else who lost their job, who lost their wife, who lost their dog, who lost their truck. And and as you listen to that, you're gonna think to yourself, you get me. All the feels, you get me. Look, here's my advice. Indulge in that country track just for one song. I mean, give yourself that moment. But then switch the playlist. Switch the playlist, and here's what I'd recommend. Switch the playlist over to some worship music because music influences atmosphere. You wanna roll with some country music, you're feeling down, they're feeling down, it's just gonna keep you down, it's gonna bring you further down, but if you want God to lift you up, if you want God to take you out of the darkness and move you towards the light, switch the playlist. Get your headphones, get your device, get your listening station, whatever it is, however you get your music and switch the playlist and find some worship music and that music in that space will start to change the atmosphere. And you'll start to hear not stories that talk about the problem, but stories that talk about the solution. You'll start to hear lyrics that don't just uh, point to the darkness. You'll start to be exposing yourself to lyrics that point to the light. And in that moment, you're positioning yourself in the light. Here's another one. You may have noticed we are Elevate Church. That's our name and it's not just our name, it's who we are. 
God gave me the name Elevate Church five years before I even started leading here. And then another three years before we actually changed our name to Elevate Church. But God gave me the name Elevate Church based on three accounts in the Bible, two stories around Jesus, uh, life and interactions. And one of them is something that David uh, wrote in a Psalm. Now the Psalms that David wrote are, are songs and they're poetry. And, and, and we've kind of, I don't know, we've kind of broken a little bit out of that. But I encourage you to get in and dig around the Psalms and just start to let your imagination run wild. But here's a vision, here's a, here's a visual that David gave. And this is one of the visuals that God gave me to call the church that I would one day lead, eight years later, Elevate Church. Here's, here's David riffing on a picture of God, who God is and what God does. I waited and waited and waited from God. Some of you have been there. So David gets you. And at last he looked, he finally listened and this is what he did. He lifted me out of the ditch, pulled me from deep mud and stood me up on a solid rock to make sure I wouldn't slip. Do you know God's default is to elevate you, to lift you up, not to put you down? And I had this idea that we would call ourselves Elevate Church and in our name, it would define who we are. In our name, it would define how we speak. In our name, it would define how we view the world. That I wanted to ensure that we lead a church that's known more for what we're for than what we're against. A church that speaks life and not speaks death that this would become the hallmark, the DNA. We call it our code of Elevate Church. And that doesn't make us better than other churches. But let me tell you what it makes us better than. It makes us better than your cynical, janky workplace that some days you think, oh my God, I have to go there again. And those people are just gonna put me down. And they're just gonna tell me about how, how crappy their weekend was. And, 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 and you feel like, why? where are the people that speak life? Where are the people that talk about what they're and what their hopes and dreams are because that looks like the light that I'm gonna live in. Well, here's the thing. We're not trying to create a bubble here that we all kind of live in, like the boy in the bubble and we, we keep everyone else and the germs out. We're not trying to do that. We're trying to be that, a church that lifts people up, that reflects the nature and the character of God, not just for one hour on a Sunday. But for the other 167, minus the sleeping component, hours of the week. But this one hour does matter. And the challenge is if we can't find you, we can't lift you. <laughs> Some of you are very elusive. We see you once a month. Once every eight weeks. And again, I'm not, I'm not boo, boo, you're so pathetic. I'm not saying that, but I'm saying position yourself in the light. This is one place where you're gonna have the light shining in to your life and your situation. And you, you might be that person that walks in here feeling like you're stuck in the ditch, that your feet are stuck in the clay. Ever had your car bogged? It's awful. Nearly bogged my Vespa once. <laughs> That's not true. I just lift that thing out. <laughs> but, but, but the problem when you're bogged isn't just that you're bogged, it's that the frustration of not being able to get out becomes more problematic. 
And this is the solution that God wants for your life, that he will lift you up, but he can't lift you if he can't find you. And here's the last one. There's more, but these are the big ones. People. Have you ever wished that people that you meet would come with like warning labels like the cigarette packets? Yes. Warning, I am extremely toxic. I am negative and cynical and bitter and twisted. And if you spend time with me, it will distort your soul. Like, wouldn't that be super helpful? You're like, back away, back away. <laughs> but, but, because I have thought that, obviously. Here's the thing that actually wouldn't work. Because, do you know, they do have those types of warnings on cigarette packets, and yet some people still buy and smoke cigarettes. They just blow right past that flip lid. They have to actually do the walk of shame these days up to the counter to ask in a hushed tone if the person can lift the black shutter where there's mysteriously tobacco products that don't have any advertising on the front and say, um, you know those things with the warning labels? Can I have a pack of those, please? <laughs> so, so sometimes people coming with warning labels, we would just ignore that and get close to them anyway. The other reason that having warning labels wouldn't work is it's completely unnecessary. Because negative, cynical, sarcastic people, they're everywhere. <laughs> they don't have to put the T-shirt on to identify themselves. <laughs> you just have to talk with them. And within the first five minutes, you'll figure out that this person is negative and cynical and sarcastic. And that spending X amount of time with them is gonna actually poison the well of your soul. Who you spend time with matters. Who you spend time with impacts your soul. Who you spend time with actually will have a measurable effect on the light level in your life. There's some people in your life, they just keep turning that light switch right, right down to dim. And they're trying to tell you that they're gonna put on some Barry White music and pour a glass of wine and everything. No, they're gonna poison your soul. I like it dark. I know you like it dark. You've developed your whole identity around dark. You get people to come around your Facebook page because of dark. And birds of a feather do in fact flock together. But my advice to you with those dark people is get the flock out of there and hang around with some people who are gonna shine light into your world. If you're in darkness, you don't need more darkness, you need more light. <laughs> Podcast listeners, I just bowed twice. And then God continued to speak through Isaiah. He said, the abuse of oppressors and cruelty of tyrants, all their whips and cudgels, whatever that is, and shorts bad, and curses is gone, done away with a deliverance as surprising and sudden as Gideon's old victory over Midian. Now, let me bring you up to this little bit at the end. Gideon's old victory over Midian. Gideon was a coward that God 
found hiding from his enemies, the Midianites, and said to him, I want you to form an army and I want you to take this army, Mr. Coward, uh, form this army and go and fight these Midianites and destroy them. And I want them out and God's people, the Israelites, to become victorious. And so Gideon formed an army of 32,000 people. There's a story written about Gideon's army of 32,000 people. It's called Gideon's Amazing Shrinking Army. (laughs) Because God looked at the 32,000 and said to Gideon, there's too many people there to bring me glory. If you win the battle with those 32,000 people, you'll probably take the credit. Because you're gonna win, you got 32,000 people. So here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna send a bunch of them home. And God pruned Gideon's army from 32,000 down to 10,000. And Gideon's like, okay, cool. I think we're ready now. And God said, actually, no. Still a few too many. So God got out his eternal secretaries and did another round of pruning from 32,000 down to 10,000, from 10,000 down to 300. And God went, looks about right. And then he gave Gideon a battle plan with his remaining 300 people. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to get like, like torches, like, you know, like tiki torches that you get from Bunnings. I want you to get a torch, every one of these 300 people, get a torch and I want you to light it. And then, and then what I want you to do is I want you to take a clay pot and just hold the clay pot above the torch and all 300 of you carrying your, your Bunnings tiki torch and your clay pot, I want you to march in, in, in the night under the cover of darkness and I want you to go to the Midianites and when you get to the edge of their camp, I want you to throw all 300 of you, throw those clay pots down and break them and hold up the torch and blow a horn. And so for some reason, they actually obeyed God and did exactly what He said they should do. (laughs) Don't look at me like you're all heroes of the faith. There's no way I would have ever done that, okay? (laughs) Come on, really? I want you to go to Bunnings. And buy a tiki torch. This enemy you haven't been able to defeat for years with your 300 men, Mr. Coward. Oh, what, what about the bazookas and the, and the AK-47s? No, no, stick with the tiki torches. <laughs> Man, what a stupid idea. And, and so they did that. And when they did that, And they blew the horn, this camp of Midianites who'd been terrorizing and defeating the Israelites for years, literally woke up in a panic, saw light everywhere, saw light come into the darkness. Freaked out and literally attacked each other and killed each other and left Gideon and his 300 men holding their tiki torches. As surprising and as sudden as Gideon's old victory over Midian, nobody expected a baby to be sent into the world to bring light into our darkness. It just shouldn't work. And yet in that moment, in that event, and since that day, God has provided a solution 
to our darkness. For a child, this is 700 years before Jesus was born. A child has been born for us. See, when you start following Jesus, you get weaponized, but not with the sorts of weapons that you thought you'd get weaponized with. But with Jesus, all of a sudden, things are no longer a fair fight. A child has been born for us, the gift of a son for us, and he'll be taking over the running of the world. His names will be Amazing Counselor, Strong God, Eternal Father, Prince of Wholeness. For a child has been born for us, the gift of a son for us. I just wanna underline one thing. This word us, it's really important that we get clear about that. Jesus didn't, come into the world just for church people. I'm a church person. I'm a professional Christian. And I'm glad I'm one of the us, but I'm not the only us and nor are you. Jesus didn't just come into the world to shine a light into the darkness of church people. He came into the world to shine His light into the darkness of the entire world. And, and that matters and it matters especially as we're leading up to Christmas because we actually have a role. If you wanna know a part of God's general will, a part of God's general will is that you and I would position our lives among people who understand darkness but haven't yet been exposed to the light and that we would invest into them and that we would pray for opportunities to ultimately invite them to come and just, just check out the light. Just, 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 just get near the light. I can't promise you you're gonna like it. I can't promise you you're gonna understand it. But, 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 but just, would you give it a go? And here's the thing, around Christmas time, more people are likely to say yes to that invitation than any other time of the year. And because of that, with the countdown to December, uh, Christmas again this year, it's in December. There should be, and I hope there is a sense of urgency. See, last week here, last week, last Sunday, we said to everyone gathered, hey, who wants to open yourself up to the light? And six people said yes. Six people said yes, I wanna start following Jesus. I get darkness and I'm, I'm done with darkness and I'm ready for God to reach down into the darkness and lift me up into the light. Six people said that and, and I didn't get to talk with all of them, but I know two of them. Two of them, two of them of the six they're actually currently competing for who's got the darkest darkness. And it's a real tight race. Their circumstances are so janky that, that, that if God didn't shine the light into their darkness, they might not be around for much longer. And they were smart enough to say, I'm gonna position myself closer to the light and let's just see what Jesus does with that. That was only last week, seven days, it's early, but hey, it's a step in the right direction. And we're gonna give you an opportunity to do that in just a moment. But before we do, understand that we who have stepped into the light have an, an opportunity to invite others to get near the light. And on Sunday, December 23, we'll be gathered here, Elevate Church, Christmas, December 23, some of you traditionalists just, Stop looking at me like that. I said it last week. Jesus was not born on December 25th, so it really doesn't matter if it's 25th, 24th, 23rd. The point is we're celebrating Him around the same time as other people. 
10 a.m. Sunday, 23rd of December. Don't just form a list of people you're gonna buy gifts for. Maybe start forming a list of people you're gonna invite and wanna give them the ultimate gift this Christmas and want them to receive that. 700 years after God spoke through Isaiah, a baby came into the world and his name is Jesus. When he entered the public sphere aged around 30, he said these words, and these shouldn't come as a surprise to anybody that read what God spoke about in Isaiah. This is what Jesus said about himself. Exactly what God had said through Isaiah 700 years earlier. I am the world's, I'm the, what, I, am the, I am the church's light. <clears throat> Fail. I am the world's light. No one who follows me stumbles around in the darkness. I provide plenty of light to live in. So friends, this morning before I'm out of here, I wanna give you the opportunity we gave to people last week to step into the light, to say yes to following Jesus. And all I want you to do for those of you that are ready to take that step today is in a moment, just put your hand up. And that's all we did last week. Six people put their hand up and I cool, put it down and, and I'm just gonna pray from here for you and kind of with you, but we're not gonna get you to stand and do any walks or cartwheeling or anything ridiculous. But those of you that this is your moment to say yes to the light, to say yes to following Jesus, just put your hand up. And as I said, I'll see your hand, then you put it down. Good on you. Who else? Just put your hand up real quickly, then you can put it down. Good on you. Who else? Who else? This is a really important opportunity and we don't want to miss it. Fantastic. You can put your hand down. Who else? It's three people. Good on you, sweetheart. Who else? Fantastic. We saw four people put their hands up as I promised. I want to, well, okay, certainly I'm going to expect you to clap later. So maybe that was just the warm up clap. Because when you clap later, it's going to have to be better than that. But that was pretty good, considering it was uninitiated. Uh, I'm going to pray. Here's what I'm going to do. And I said last week, don't pray like white people. And all the not white people said, come on, white people. All right, good. I'm not white. I'm more of a pink. But anyway, white? How insulting. Uh, I've worked hard to be this pink. Um, let's pray. Let's pray. Say these words after me. Let's all say these together, especially those four people that raised their hand. Dear Jesus, thank You for coming into the world. Thank You for coming into my world. And today, I open myself up to Your light, to Your transforming light. And I commit from this day forward to follow You for the rest of my days. In Jesus' Name I pray. Amen. Amen. Big clap.